Welcome back to another episode of Drivers, a podcast devoted to the most important trends in the golf industry and the individuals setting them. I'm David Klein, along with John Last of Sports and Leisure Research Group, and we're both extremely excited about today's episode. You know, when you think about the growth in golf, a major contributor to the surge of golf participation in recent years has been a concerted effort by industry stakeholders to make the game more accessible to a larger number of people. One growing segment, which has been particularly inspiring to watch is adaptive golf. John, our guest today is at the forefront of many of these efforts toward promoting golf participation among individuals with disabilities. John, I'll let you do the honors and introduce today's guest. Thanks, David. I'm, I'm really pleased to welcome to this episode of Drivers, Dave Barton, who is the Executive Director of the National Alliance for Accessible Golf. And Dave, uh, known you for a long time. Great to have you with us here on Drivers. Well, we appreciate the opportunity. Um, anytime we can talk about this amazing community of adaptive golfers, we welcome the opportunity. So before we get into some of the, the really great things that the Alliance is doing, maybe you can start by helping our listeners get a better understanding about the breadth of what we mean today when we talk about adaptive golf and the people that your organization serves. Absolutely. You know, adaptive golf is kind of the more preferred term these days for this, again, uh, group of golfers and programs that are dedicated to supporting these golfers with disabilities as well as the golfers themselves, and it crosses all forms of disabilities. You know, our primary focus is on access and inclusion. That's what we talk about and educate about. And access, of course, in our term is removal of barriers at golf courses, physical barriers and buildings that facilitate play. And then inclusion is a byproduct of that, where if they're able to access the facilities, then they can be invited to play. They can take part in the social fabric of what's going on. So we're really all about that. So inclusion is really the environmental aspect of it and access is the physical barrier part of making sure that individuals can access the game. And, and you know, David kind of mentioned it at the top of the show, but historically speaking, this has been a segment that, that didn't necessarily always get a lot of attention, but, but that certainly changed in recent years. I'm curious from your perspective, how and what has, has made that change and how are the, has the Alliance and other stewards of the game taking efforts and steps to make the game more inclusive for, for people with disabilities? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, the National Amputee Golf Association was formed in or just after World War II. So this is not a new thing that's going on with golfers wanting to, to play the game. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, it was veterans that came back that we're looking for some esprit de corps with uh, other uh, severely injured veterans and how they basically wanted to improve their quality of life and have some some social interaction and they figured out golf was a great place to do that and so beyond that i would say more recently than not um, a lot of things going on in the world that have certainly increased the number of disabilities regarding veterans and so there's been a big upswing in veterans coming back from various locations that have certainly drawn more attention, I think, to the game, but certainly this population goes way beyond veterans. It's, you know, kids, adults, veterans, non-veterans, but uh, the uh, the value of those images, especially with organizations like the PGA of America with PGA Hope, who does a fantastic job marketing it, uh, has brought more attention to it. You know, we were created uh, in 2001 after some forms in the early to mid-90s uh, that 
uh, industry got together, the USGA and some other major golf associations, because when the ADA came out in 1990, it only addressed buildings. It did not address recreational facilities such as golf courses, campgrounds, you name it. And so uh, we were a byproduct of that to help better advocate for these golfers and also better educate the industry. And then recently, of course, with what the USGA has done with their second uh, U.S. Adaptive Open, as well as what the PGA has done regarding uh, their involvement with the U.S. Disabled Golf Open, which is down in Florida. Uh, these competitions that are now getting great media attention uh, do alert folks all over the country that may not be interested in playing in competitions, but hey, look, I can do this. You know, a child may see that and go, look, I've got a prosthetic leg or I'm in a wheelchair. I can play golf. And so the imagery that we now see on TV and I think the growth of social media and where it's so much easier to see this stuff is a major contributor to how this game is really going to take off for this group of folks. Dave, I'm really glad that you mentioned the Adaptive Open. At uh, SLRG, we recent, recently surveyed participating players and we've been really thrilled to hear some great, inspiring stories you know when reading kind of their feedback i've never been so moved emotionally analyzing data as i was when we looked at uh, last year and now this year's uh, adaptive open and the great appreciation for what this event had meant to them it definitely generated some great publicity and i know your organization has also been hard at work with a number of initiatives to draw more focus on the adaptive golf community. From a public relations and marketing standpoint, can you tell us what you've been doing? Certainly, we've recently launched GAIN, which is the Golf Access and Inclusion Network. And this is a, in essence, a free community forum or platform, if you will, where we welcome anyone that's interested in adaptive golf, whether that's golfers, uh, the programs that support them, family or friends who may be looking for how to get one of their friends or loved ones into the game and even organizations that are currently supporting adaptive golf or those that are curious how do i get involved and so you know we're a resource center you know we're 501c3 we don't do competitions we don't do programs but we try to support and grow awareness about all these things and so our thought is if we can create uh, somewhat of a uh, focal point where folks know i can go here to get an answer or find someone that might be able to steer me in the right direction to different parts along the country, uh, we think it's going to really take off and we're having a really good run with it so far. So gain is one of our big ones. You've also, uh, I, I believe, uh, had the opportunity to appear in a, a documentary. <laughs> right. Well, we were talking about having a face for radio. So uh, yes, but we were fortunate enough to uh, get invited by a viewpoint with Dennis Quaid. They uh, called us at the PGA, the PGA show last year and uh, gave us an opportunity to develop some uh, very good, uh, high, high quality produced uh, marketing materials, which really are not so much about us, certainly to talk about our story, but they're more about creating awareness about this community as a whole. And so uh, it's a short form documentary that's gonna be appearing on public television around the country for the next year. Uh, don't really know when the airings are. We kind of find out after the fact when they do and do on air, but for us, it's a great exposure opportunity. And a version of that video is on our website, of course, so folks can check it out if they don't happen to be uh, living on public television. And so it gave us a chance to talk about what we're doing with you today, as well as you know our thoughts on uh, education. We see a little bit of a, a gap in the education opportunities. Uh, there's a ton of great information out there regarding uh, how to create environments at golf courses, how to develop more instructors. 
but it's it's everywhere. It's all over the map, quite honestly. And so we're looking to you know create a platform where. Uh, organizations that need their folks to get PDUs or CEUs can come get it, but it's going to be available to everybody. So this is something we're investigating right now as well. And, you know, you talked about participation, you know, participation, as we know, John leads to economic benefit discussions. And there's a, a lot more of these individuals playing golf that uh, are out there that I think many golf courses are not necessarily unaware of, but just are not sure if they're ready to have them there. And I can assure you that uh, uh, they're ready. They're more ready than they think they are to get these folks out to their game. And so research is something we're looking at, uh, uh, finding some folks to help us support and to help lead as well. We know a few people who can do a good job of that, but uh, I, I wanted to get your perspective as well. You know, you bring a lot of really unique experience to this position and to this organization. You know, your, your experience as a PGA member and a former executive at the National Golf Course Owners Association. I can't help but think that so much of the ultimate success of what the Alliance is doing is, is going to rely on grassroots implementation. From, from your vantage point, what are some of the critical success factors that local communities and individual golf facilities can focus on to really better enhance and embrace uh, adaptive golf? Absolutely. From a golf course perspective, I, I think that there is a a little bit of a fear. Fear may be a strong word that uh, making sure your course is accessible is going to be cost prohibitive, but it's not necessarily the case. I think what we encourage courses to do is just take that first step, take the first step, do a self-assessment of what you got going on there. The ADA puts out a great checklist. It's seven pages long with big pictures. And as a former pilot, we love things with big pictures because it makes it easier for us to understand them. But, uh, you know, so just take a look internally first to see what you've got going on and then just kind of start the process going. You don't have to do everything at once. And I, I do believe that the majority of golf courses out there, quite honestly, are farther along than they believe they may be. And so once you kind of verify your, you know, your physical environment, you know, just work on how you market to them a little bit, maybe some imagery on your website, maybe an accessibility statement that says, hey, you know, we welcome all golfers here. And then, uh, you know, set some things up so that the golfers are aware that this is a place that supports golfers with all abilities. And I think if they do those things, uh, they'll be amazed how quickly, uh, things change in a different and an amazing way at their golf course in a different part that they might not have been aware of. Well, it's, it's, it's so great to know um, that it is a more achievable goal than it may seem on the surface. And it's, it's also fantastic to understand that organizations like yours are working hard to service such an important segment of the population uh, as, as one who has family members that have, have really loved golf and have faced issues uh, that that the alliance is, is looking to it's, it's it's wonderful to understand that there's opportunities for them to continue their relationship with the game of golf if somebody wants to get more involved wants you know likes what you're doing wants to get their course involved or their groups involved how do they get in touch with you yeah great question uh pretty pretty simple they can kind of Contact uh, us directly at info at accessgolf.org. Our website, of course, is www.accessgolf.org. And uh, you're talking with the guy that answers the info account email. So I can assure you that if someone contacts us there, they will get a response from me. And we welcome any questions. We are certainly looking for support from a range of organizations and individuals because we think we've got some great stuff going on. And uh, it certainly takes a village in this world to get some things done. And that's what we're looking to do, grow a big village. Excellent. Thanks again, Dave, for being here. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Drivers. Thank you all very much. Have a great week.